Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Have you ever gotten a text from somebody that, uh, with information that they have no business knowing? Like, for instance, you talk to your best friend about uh, like a fight you're having with your significant other, and somebody else weighs in on it. Like, they text you their unsolicited opinion, and you're like, not only are you wrong, but you have no business knowing about that. And then you trace it back, like, on the, the, the red thread board of your life and your conversations, and you're like, I only told one person about that. And you realize you've experienced a betrayal from your best friend. Have you been there? I've been there. Everybody knows what snitches get. Punched, probably. I think we've all been there in some, at some point in our life. We've been on both sides of that, if we're being honest. Um, but there is no worse betrayal than the betrayal of a friend or the betrayal of uh, maybe a family member, a parent, a pastor, uh, of someone who was supposed to be safe. A betrayal from someone you thought was safe. Loyalty is number one in relationships. Loyalty is that important. Don't spill my secrets. Not even to like this girlfriend of the month or this boy that you happen to be talking to at the moment. Not even, okay, sometimes a spouse. No, not even a spouse. Keep, don't spill my tea. I did not confide my deepest, darkest secrets with you so that I could find them in a group text or hinted at in an Instagram story later. Keep it on lock, if you will. Um, This is relationship kindergarten. Everybody knows about loyalty. Now, the basic loyalty, this basic loyalty in girl code, bro code, it extends to romantic interests in a a turned up kind of way. Um, I think everybody knows this. If you are my friend and you want to remain my friend, don't even think about talking to, flirting with, or hanging around the person I am talking to, or the other person I am talking to, or the person I am crushing on but will never talk to, don't get anywhere near them. No, you should just know, stay away from them. If you violate this law, it's an act of aggression and there will be consequences. One time I was in high school, I was at a bonfire at my friend's house and uh, she hosted like a bunch of friends. One of my other, my guy friends was there and he had a crush on this girl. Crush is a a weak word for what he was experiencing for this girl. Um, She had already friend zoned him and he was a persistent fella. So um, we were a bunch of friends at this house and I was sitting on a bench with this girl whose house we were at and he was sitting across, uh, across the fire from us. And a third person sat on the bench. Now I innocently, to make more room on the bench, put my arm on the back of the, of the bench. Now, depending on your perspective in the situation, you may have seen me put my arm around this girl. That was his perception of the situation. Um, now, he's sitting by himself on the other side of the fire. I imagine like wa- watching through the, fame, the flames while the flames of his own heart are being stoked. And he was not a happy camper. Um, I, got a t- I got a text message later that night with some well, lots of caps and a lot of expletives. <laughs> he was not happy with me. And looking back, I messed up. This was a code I should have, I should have seen. Um, I promise I had no romantic interest in this girl. It was not that at all. She was all his for all I cared. Um, There's nothing there for me. But when I look back at the situation, I may have broken some bro code there. There is a code. I violated that code. At the time, I didn't really see it that way. I was bummed out that he was bummed out, um, but I didn't like mean anything by it, and I knew that. So like, I didn't take it 
very seriously. I was kind of sorry. Um, but I also thought it was dumb that he was so mad about it. So you might know this feeling. I was kind of feeling like, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, this is the series we're going to be in for the next few weeks. We've all had a wide range of apologies, right? We've all experienced a lot of different kinds of apologies. We've been in a situation where someone has hurt us in some way, or we hurt someone in some way, maybe a big way, maybe a small way, and the offender realized their problem, their transgression. We talked it out. We hugged it out. And back when hugging wasn't illegal. And then we moved on. We moved on together. I think most of us have also been the recipient of a sorry, not sorry, apology as well. When someone hurts us, but like they don't really seem to care. They hurt us and maybe they even give us like, and I'm sorry you feel that way. Ugh. Um, I'm sorry you took it that way. Much, much worse. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but insert excuse. I heard somebody once say, don't ruin a good apology with a bad excuse. <laughs> I'm sorry, not sorry. And when a friend crosses this line and they hurt you in this way and they seem totally fine with it, it can be easy for that to be the birth of a grudge. And we're going to talk about grudges tonight. A grudge happens when instead of hugging it out, we hold on to our pain, our resentment, our anger, our hurt. I think we've all been the giver and the receiver of a grudge at some point in our lives. And honestly, I think if we're being really honest with ourselves, we are holding one of those grudges right now. I think that grudges are so sneaky and every day that we have them and we don't even think about it. We don't even realize we have it. This conversation tonight was very convicting for me in that way. Sometimes big fights start small. For example, uh, maybe this issue started when no one in your friend group had planned anything for a Friday night. So you curled up, got some hot tea, coffee, a bang, whatever you do. Um, and you, it's Friday night, so you're going up to catch up on WandaVision, and you, you scroll through and you see uh, an Instagram story or, or something, uh, and your friends are together without you. That is painful. I know, I know. And, and at the moment, you were like, it's not really worth bringing up. They, maybe, maybe they didn't mean anything about it. Maybe they were like, they just ran into each other. I'm going to shrug it off. But if you're being honest, to this very day, you remember who it was. You remember what the picture looked like, and it still bothers you. Or maybe it was a direct assault on your friendship where, where your friend put his arm around the girl you were crushing on or, or where you thought you, you, uh, you talked to your friend, um, your friend talked about you, sorry, your friend talked about you, talked bad about you, complained about you to your worst enemy, to this person you know, your least favorite person in the world. This is betrayal in the highest order, and, and they might not even know that you know, but somehow it came back to you, and you are going to hang on to that grudge forever and for always. And grudges are not just between friends. There is family beef as well. Maybe your parents won't let you have a certain social media account, or they won't let you go to that big party you want to go to, or they won't let you borrow the car, or they won't let you do anything ever. OMG, the worst parents I've ever had. Sam has some deep-seated issues with her siblings. Um, I'm just going to air her laundry. From borrowing clothes without permission to uh, doing arts and crafts in her bedroom and getting paint everywhere <laughs> to her brother, her brother giving her a haircut while she was writing me a letter in college. All of these things are, she has let go of a lot of that, but there's years of pain to unpack there. There's a lot. There's a lot. So if you're wondering if, um, if you... If a sorry, not sorry moment began a grudge for you that you're holding on to, we're going to take a quiz. And I think it's going to help. It helped me. This quiz helped me 
assess my sorry, not sorry situation. So here's the quiz. Ask these questions to find out if you've got some beef. Um, do you have arguments with someone in your head? Wow. You know, there's like little internal conversations. Maybe you're in the shower or like laying in bed. Those are my moments when I'm, I'm re- rehearsing <laughs> about how I'm going to tell them what's what. Yeah. <laughs> Here's some more. Uh, are you giving a close friend or family member the silent treatment? This one isn't me, but I've had it happen to me. <laughs> I've had someone hold a grudge and give me the silent treatment. Here's another one. Uh, do you constantly subtweet someone in person or online? So make a passive aggressive comment. <laughs> it's funny how subtweet started on Twitter and then just became like a thing people say. Um, maybe, maybe you um, screenshot something on social media and send it to somebody else with a snarky comment. <laughs> I love the honesty in this room. If you answered yes to any of these questions, you might have a grudge to deal with. We might have a grudge to deal with. And here's something to think about. Have you ever considered that holding on to a grudge does not actually make your enemy pay, but it does hurt you? Have you ever thought of that? Here's the bottom line for a conversation this evening. The more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. The more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. You can be technically right. You can have all the facts on your side, but it doesn't change this truth. If you're holding on to a grudge and you are living and breathing that anger, resentment, negativity, if you're living in that place, it's going to take a toll on you. The more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. It would probably not be surprising to you if I said that grudges are not a new concept, but they go back thousands and thousands of years, um, as long as people were communicating with each other. Um, And that tonight we're going to look at a biblical view of the grudge. Uh, At the beginning of the early church, Paul was like this main leader. He was an influencer of his time. And so as with all celebrities, he had his fans and he had his haters. So he was famous among like this new Christian movement. He was teaching people. He was talking to people. They loved it. He also was infamous to those who were not following Jesus and who thought Jesus's movement was destructive. To those people, he was not very popular. And uh, he was actually a target to those people as well. So here are a few things Paul went through because he followed Jesus. He went to prison. He went to prison again. And guess what? Prison again. He was beat and flogged and stoned. And according to traditional history, he was beheaded in Rome because he followed Jesus, because he believed in Jesus and because he told everyone about Jesus. So this is not the kind of fame that everyone wants. Uh, Here's a guy who's trying to follow Jesus. He's trying to do the right thing. (laughs) He's trying to do the right thing by God and by his fellow man. And this is the kind of life he has to live. This is the, this is his, his reward for being faithful to God. If anyone has a reason to hold a grudge, it's this guy. But Paul talks about grudges and he does not take that road. He wrote letters, like I said, to a lot of churches, teaching them, encouraging them, and saying, you guys are awesome, thank you. And here are some challenges as well. So he was challenging churches to live differently than the world around them. So he wrote one of those letters to the church in the city of Thessalonica, or Thessalonica. And in 1 Thessalonians, we have a record of this letter. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.15, he writes, see that no one pays back evil for evil. That's what I would like to do, pay back evil for evil. That is 
it makes sense to me. <laughs> that seems like we've gotten even. But Paul says, let's not do that. And if I'm being honest, I, a lot of the things in my life that I've held grudges about were kind of petty, not really huge deals <laughs> um, in hindsight. But Paul had like legitimate issues with people, <laughs> like them trying to kill him for one. And he says, let's not try and get even. We don't need to do that. He's legitimate reasons to be upset. He's not talking about like, for instance, his brother staining a hoodie by putting bleach in the laundry that where it didn't belong. True story. It wasn't that he wasn't invited into the group chat at first. It wasn't that he got yelled at by his boss for doing something that was, or it wasn't even his fault. He had some legitimate gripes. He was beaten and imprisoned for believing something, believing something that was 100% true and was good for society. Those are the things he was punished for. But he was not about holding grudges. He was not about revenge. He continues in this letter. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. So not only are we not allowed to get even, but like we have to go out of our way to be nice to people. I don't love it. <laughs> it doesn't seem fair, right? And the reason it doesn't seem fair is because it's not fair. Surprise. And Paul understood though, this fundamental truth. He knew this thing about grudges. The more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. I'd like to take a little bit of a survey. Um, was it just my generation of cartoons or did you get an education about quicksand? Was that just me or, or did, we, did they cover quicksand in your cartoons? Yes or no? Yes? What a weird thing because I know how to take care of quicksand. I know not to struggle. I should make slow movements or wait completely still, wait for someone to extend a tree branch to me. I, I know how to handle quicksand. Um, if the more you struggle, the more you get sunk into the quicksand. I know all that. Despite that education, I've never once been threatened by quicksand. I also learned a little bit about constricting snakes. Trigger warning, there's a snake on the screen. Um, I learned a little bit about them. I found that uh, th these are not snakes that have venomous, like venom and fangs. This is a different type of snake. These are the, the boa constrictor, for one. They constrict their prey and every time they inhale, they get a little tighter until they suffocate. They don't crush their bones. They, they, they suffocate them because they get tighter and tighter. And I learned that these teeth, if you can see their teeth right there, they're aimed backwards. So if a constrictor has bit your hand and you try to rip your hand out, the teeth are sinking deeper into your hand. It's a problem. The, um, like quicksand, aggression will not help you get out of the mouth of a constrictor. Um, I learned that we're too big for them to eat mostly. Like maybe there's like giant crazy ones in the rainforest, but like a boa constrictor that you might come across in Pennsylvania, um, <laughs> they're not going to be big enough to eat you. They're not interested in eating you. So if you get bit and they're wrapping around your arm, you just like wait for them to realize. <laughs> that's, that's what I read. <laughs> you wait for them to realize that they can't eat you and then they just get bored and let go. <laughs> it's, it's true. That's what they said on the internet. Um, so here's why I'm talking about quicksand and constrictors. Grudges work the same way. The way you get free from quicksand, from a constrictor's bite, from a finger trap, the way you get free from these things is by letting go of the struggle. Letting go, you stop fighting, and you free yourself from a grudge by dropping the desire to get even, by letting go of revenge and resentment. Paul knew that a grudge is a trap, 
And the more you fight it, the more you get stuck in it, the deeper you get into it, and the more you wear yourself out trying to get out. The more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. So that means the opposite is also true. To get free from a grudge, you let it go. And the ultimate way to release a grudge is oh, where we talk a lot about forgiveness. Now, I don't want you to hear me saying that forgiveness is easy. Sometimes holding a grudge seems silly because it's something petty that, you know, when we look back, it wasn't a big deal. But other times, people are stuck in very real, very big pain and hurt. And some in this room have been deeply hurt by people they cared about, by people they thought were safe. And that really complicates things, and I totally understand that. But no matter what the pain is, we've used a lot of silly examples, but no matter what the pain is, the more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you, period. And the only way to free yourself from anger, free yourself from resentment, is forgiveness. Even if it's forgiving someone that doesn't deserve it, even if it's for someone who's not sorry about what they did, maybe especially if they're not sorry for what they did, because that's what forgiveness really is about. That's like, you, don't, you shouldn't have to earn forgiveness. Real forgiveness is given before it's deserved. And that's what Jesus did. It's a pretty good example. It's important to remember that forgiveness is central to our faith. <laughs> this is like the thing that we are all about is Jesus forgiving us. God has every right to hold a grudge against us based on our standards. We knew the rules. We knew the consequences. We knew the code. <laughs> and we still violated the code. We continue to miss the mark. We continue to sin. But he has his own standards, a different standard, a perfect character, and that's why Jesus came, that to give us forgiveness. It's pretty serious to Jesus, forgiveness. And he's pretty clear about how we need to follow that example. In Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, it's a pretty big statement. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. That's the positive one. That's not so bad. When he puts it in the negative, but if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Fundamental to being forgiven is living forgiveness. Shows how detrimental a grudge can be. Forgiveness is important to Jesus because he knew that the more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. Let's talk about the mechanics of forgiveness. I wish I could say it's step one, step two, step three. It's a more complicated than that, more abstract than that. But let's talk about it. It's not easy. Let's talk about it first. Give up give up. If you think you have a right to get even, that right is what you need to give up. And you don't necessarily need to broadcast that decision. Sometimes you don't even need to tell the person you're forgiving. You just need to give up. You need to let it go. Don't, um, don't take for granted this truth, this fundamental truth that grudges are painful. Give up. Second, let go. Make like Elsa. Let go of the frustration. Let go of the anger, even righteous anger, right, the anger you have a right to. Let go of the voice in your head that says, I'm right, they are wrong. I deserve, they deserve. Let go of that voice. And third, repeat. Because this doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen easily. Give up and keep giving up. Let go and keep letting go. Repeat that process Rinse and repeat until it's gone, until it's over. Getting free from a grudge is not an overnight venture. It's a process that takes time and dedication and repetition. 
give up, let go, and repeat. Because, this is important, because the more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. As we talk about forgiveness, there's a bunch of levels. First, we forgive. We forgive because God has commanded us. There's this God level. And we're not forgiven by him if we don't do it. Second, we forgive because the people around us have been forgiven by God. We should follow that example. We had the, the around us level. Do good instead, like Paul said. But what we've been talking about is on a more personal level. Forgive because of our own sake. Because it's healthy for us to forgive. So as you head out tonight, think about these questions. What are you gaining by hanging on to this grudge? I heard... Um, holding a grudge described as drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. What are you gaining by hanging on to that grudge? Maybe more importantly, what can you gain by letting it go? How much time would you get back? How much peace would you get back? If you could let it go, let go of the thought of getting even, of what they deserve and you deserve and who's right and who's wrong, what else could you be doing? What else could you put that energy toward? I know all of this sounds counterintuitive. It feels like the, only, the thing that's going to make this go away is my revenge, is my payback. But I'm telling you it's the exact opposite. You letting go is what makes it go away. You letting go, um, what, what feels like giving up power is what empowers you. And it's the only way to get freedom. And I know it can sound impossible, but Jesus takes forgiveness very seriously because he knows that the more you hold on to a grudge, the more it holds on to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day, for your word, for what we can learn about you, your character, and what you've called us to do, how you have called us um, the blessed life is a happy life, is a healthy life. You have given us these commands so that we live in the bullseye of your will. And we don't miss the mark by messing around thinking that we know what's best. But God, we give you control. And tonight, I pray that you help us to, to, to assess the grudges that we have kept, the resentment we have kept, the revenge we think we deserve. And give us an opportunity tonight to lay it down, to give it up, to give it up to give up that thought, that voice that says I'm right and they're wrong, to let go of that pursuit of payback and revenge and to repeat those steps until it's true. And that will only happen with your help. So Father, I pray tonight you help us to come to you for help. As we are fighting forgiveness battles that we can't seem to get a hold of, we can't seem to win. Father, I pray you would help us to submit to you, to give up and to let go and let you help us to forgive the people in our lives that we would not pay back evil for evil, but that we would do good for each other. We love you. We dedicate it all to you. It's in your precious name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.